Nick. How are you? Welcome to our first edition of Jungle Juice. Hello, everybody. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, doing great. Doing great. Yeah. A little nervous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun. This has been something. So it's a podcast here about the Cincinnati Bengals. This has been something that we have we have talked about internally, you know, between us for for a long time now. I mean, it, it has been something that I know I've even thought about and how we're going to do it and so on. And finally, it just got to the point where we were like, you know what, let's let's just do it. And so we thought, you know, the Bengals are rolling right now. Things are going well. So what better time than the current present to try and and get things going with what should be uh, another exciting season for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked for this season. Uh, you brought up a good point. Uh, I don't know if the sentiments would be nearly as good if uh, if we tried doing this before the 2019 season. So, uh, yeah, that was the <laughs> four first years year later. Ago. Yeah, the, before the 2019 season was when I the first time I ever had season tickets for the Bengals. I remember I jumped in and I think they called it the Jungle Pass, and it was one of those things. And I loved it because I think it was like you for X amount of money. I don't even remember how much it was. You could get a season ticket, but you were like the top four rows of the stadium. And I liked it because in those last couple of games where, you know, it, it was bad, you just had the top rows of the stadium was filled in because it was all of these people that spent the money for it. And it was it was a lot of fun, though, because um, it was just enjoyable because I think everyone was there just because they loved the Bengals and it really didn't matter how good things were. We were just there to have fun. Got to see the first win of the season together that year, too. That was, we did uh... against the New York Jets. And I think. Were you, did you go with me to the Browns game too, or was that someone else? No, so I went to the Patriots game that year, but uh, that's when I was working for sponsor of the Bengals, uh, where we got um, what's the club? We got some club level seats. We didn't get like a sweep, but we got the uh, the general club area. So we were there for the Patriots game for that, and then the one game I went with you was to the Jets game, where man, intense game. Crazy yes, game. it it was it was a lot of fun to uh, yes. <laughs> to do that because Zach Taylor finally got the win, and it that was a year where I mean, listen, without that year, I, I think a lot that, that 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 year was so crazy because you know one play goes different and we could be talking about quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa as the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals or, be or something like Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's uh, I don't think potentially it's kind of, yeah and it's wild and and i know that i talk about it and i know we both agree that there's no question that the bengals made the absolute right decision in jumping in and grabbing joe burrow as their starting quarterback and things have only looked up since then and it's been wild and uh to see how much and obviously the contract will be something that we'll have to talk about as the show goes along but it, it's been so much fun seeing how this team has evolved over these past couple of years and a lot of that credit goes to Zach Taylor and the Joe Burrow effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I mean, what more can you say about Joe Burrow? The guy has uh, completely transformed this franchise. Zach's been there with a steady hand the whole time. I mean, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't ready to write Zach off after the first two years of his career in Cincinnati, but... uh you know, you know, I did well, say at I the still, time though I was happy I, I'd be wrong too. So I was happy to be wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong now. 
I mean, I still remember a conversation we had at the start of the 2021 season. I think it was after the first or second game of the season where, and I still remember vividly the conversation we had because it was based on Zach Taylor. If you remember in that game, the Vikings game, he made an aggressive play on fourth down and went for it deep in their own territory. And was it the right call? Probably not in the long run, but I remember you were, you were living about it. And I remember you saying something when we met for dinner about it, saying how you thought that, you know, Zach Taylor wasn't the guy. It was a, the wrong decision in the long run and so on. But I think I was always, and I don't know why I've always been on team Zach Taylor. And I don't know that I can necessarily put a finger as to why I've just always had a feeling about it. And luckily I've been, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm the only one in, in saying very conceited and saying that I've been proven right, but I like that he is, He's getting this moment because he has also gone through the bad because it was real bad to start. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, I'm happy to be wrong about it. Uh, going back to that, so I'm not, you know, to that Vikings game, I'm not necessarily averse to taking risk, but I, yeah, I had to deal with the, just where were they at their own 30 when that happened? I mean, that so, was something like that. And I just remember that we had that conversation about whether we were we were team Zach at the time. And I, for whatever reason was very much always team Zach. And it, it's just really interesting, but you know, we don't need to rehash the decisions from two oh, yeah. years ago uh, because obviously things are rolling now because who, who'd have thought though, when you're having that conversation in 2021 that, Oh yeah, the Bengals are going to go to the Super Bowl that year. And, you know, and then the year after that, they're going to be, you know, a play here or there away from making it to two straight Super Bowls. It is unbelievable that the ride that this team has been on, and then the expectations this year are higher than they've ever been. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a scary thing that you know we've just you know been at the top of the league for the past you know two plus years. I guess. I mean, I yeah, don't know. It, Stakes it, are very it, high right now. It's uh, it's pretty crazy, um, you know. And I'm just hoping that we you know get more of the same. And like Joe said, I mean. The window's his whole career. He's proven that to this point. I mean. And and I, I do agree with him with that, but I think the window this year is almost as open as it's ever going to be. And, and that'll be something that we'll talk about throughout the entire season because we're looking into in this next year of all of these contracts starting to come up. Can they pay everyone is kind of the question. Obviously, T. Higgins is in that realm. Is T. Higgins going to be a guy? And that'll obviously, this will be a conversation that we will have ad nauseum over these next couple of months and even into next off season, because how do you handle paying all of these guys? So that's why I don't know that I, I hate using a must win year for this year, but in a lot of ways it almost is because you don't know whether you will have T Higgins on your team and will the guy that they will potentially re draft to replace him. Will he be the guy, I, you know, it, it, T Higgins is don't grow on trees. And that's why I think it's going to be really big for the Bengals to actually do something this year about it and, and come through. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, like you said, this is the year, you know, and I kind of said that last year too. And, um, you know, they were oh so close last year as well. But yeah, this is really the, the year before you start offloading a lot of contracts. There's a lot of guys whose contracts are expiring after the season. DJ Reader is not going to be here after this year potentially i mean there's there's a chance we always resign him but if i had to be speculative here i would say he's probably not back 
surprisingly, Trey Hendrickson did get extended for another year. Um, that one did surprise me. I thought he was going to be somebody who could even be on a on the Facebook cut list as far as in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, in the next couple of years, next offseason, because his his cap hit was going to be really high based on that. And yeah, I know that so, we're also streaming into, into Houday Nation, the Facebook group today, and I know that there's some settings in here that I'm going to have to work with and play with because we have somebody commenting saying, Facebook user saying, my dudes in Houday, and I'm sorry, we don't know who you are. I, I, I'm sure that we love you. Uh, shout out to Mr. Facebook user. Maybe we'll just have to do that for everyone that comments on the on, in the group. There's There's got to be some setting in there that I got to play with. You we're know, working on the fly. There's a good chance. There's a good thing about the ambiguity here is that, uh, you know, it feels like everybody's getting a shout out, though, if we're saying, yeah, hey, good job, Facebook users. Thanks for the uh, th- thanks for the like. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the activity here. So. But man. as far as this podcast as a whole, our, our goal is, is that we're going to hopefully do this weekly, you know, every single week. And maybe it'll be one of those things that we end up doing it more than once a week. Maybe we do. I know that, you know, one of the podcasts that we like listening to here, that podcast growling does, you know, walkouts after games. Will that be something that we'll consider doing? I don't know. Maybe it'll be one of those things that if, if there's a big win or a big loss that we just feel like we have to talk about or something big happens, we'll have to just jump on and, and talk and go without it even being planned or something along the lines of that. But we want to be this consistently on Wednesday evenings because Wednesdays are a good, you know, we're, we're usually halfway through. You know, we've had a couple of days to stew on the previous week, you know, on, on whether it was a win or a loss. We, we aren't, uh, you know, emotionally talking about what happened, but then also it gives us the chance to look ahead to what's coming up the next week. And I think it's good to kind of split it right down the middle about looking ahead of what to come. Yep, for sure. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is we've got a couple of topics. We're just going to kind of do an overall look at this Bengals team and what we've seen so far through training camp. And, And the best way to start is, okay, well, what just happened a couple of days ago was the Bengals played the Packers in a preseason game, and Mick, they lost. Can you believe it? Fire everyone. I know. Fire everyone. I was, I was so disheartened by the by the preseason loss there. Uh, I think you can go ahead and, and crown the Packers Super Bowl champions because, you know, we're the preseason Super Bowl champions, so they beat us. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm putting all my money on the Packers to win the win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, Jordan Love, did you line. not see him complete passes against the Bengals' second-string defense? It was unbelievable. Yeah, it, I know. I mean, like, he's so honestly, much better than Aaron Rodgers. It takes it takes real uh, it takes real moxie to to fit one in, you know, to Romeo Dobbs in the end zone with Sidney Jones covering. I mean, Sidney Jones is incredible. He's a he's a he's a top-notch. NFL NFL cornerback and uh he's pretty much Darrell Rebus. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I'd say he's better. Pretty yeah, I, I mean it's it clearly, I mean you, you saw that. But I think for us in this is I, I always struggle with how do you get takeaways from a preseason game? Because only really one player, not counting specialists, played in that game that will actually have a hopefully, I guess we should say, have a huge role on the team coming up this year and that will be that was Dax Hill yeah and if we're talking winners and losers you know he was only in for a short period of time but I would definitely call him a big winner yeah no he uh held the first you know three sets of downs in the game he has a huge pass break up on a deep uh pass down the field I can't remember who the receiver was but DJ Turner got burnt by this guy 
and uh, Dax came in. He closed in at the last minute there and last second and, uh, you know, had a really good pass defense. Uh, he looked great. Honestly, if we're talking about pluses, I mean, going into the season, I feel like the biggest question mark was the defensive back room. And, you know, because you saw a lot of turnover, Jesse Bates gone, Bob Bell's gone, Eli Apple's gone, and, you know, say what you want about Eli Apple, but, you know, those are three starters in your defensive backfield that aren't there anymore. Uh, but the one thing that, you know, I always thought going in is that if there was one thing Lou knows how to do, it's coach secondary. That, is his, that has been his area of expertise. He was a secondary's coach over in Miami. He was a secondary coach with the Giants. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't think I've ever been so excited for safety room uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals for the uh, for the potential. And uh, we saw a lot of good defensive back play. I was very happy with it. Yeah, I think, you know, Tyson Anderson was one of the big, big winners as well coming out of that because I think he's been kind of the forgotten guy. Uh, in, in that secondary yeah. is, you know, everyone's talking about Dax Hill. They're talking about Nick Scott. They're talking about Jordan Battle. I know he he's had some high praise from coaches as just being a guy that is off the charts smart. Up, and uh, obviously Mike Thomas is kind of that leader of that group as a whole. But Tyson Anderson comes out and has a pick six and another interception. And I think automatically fans are kind of like, oh, that's right. I forgot you existed. The and hype is real for Tyson Anderson. Uh, you know, going into the offseason, I mean, I don't know if the Nick Scott signing was quote-unquote necessary. Uh, I think he'll be a good depth piece and uh, a good guy in for run packages. But, uh, you know, going into the offseason, I was like, I mean, you got this, you got this Tyson Anderson guy who's Athletic score was off the charts going into the draft. I mean, I think he was close to a perfect uh, 10 out of 10 score on the RAS. Um, you know, and he was, I think he was all MAC conference. He, uh, you know, he just didn't get, you know, the exposure to the big level schools. And, you know, I always thought he was, a, you know, he was a big find for Zach Taylor or for the, uh, for the Bengals organization. And, you know, he definitely proved it in game one of the preseason. I know it's game one of the preseason and, you know, we've got, you know, actual NFL action to look forward to. But um, I was very impressed with the way he played. He looked like a man amongst boys out there. That guy uh, was bodying up everybody he was covering in that game. And, you know, I think that, you know, we're going to see a lot of three safety packages going in to the season this year. And I think he's going to have a, an elevated role. I think to me, another one of the big winners that really stood out to me in the middle of that defensive line, and he was, for me, in he's kind of in that, and it's going to be something we're going to talk about today and over the next couple of weeks as well, is I think rosters, you have like number 50 on the roster through like number 56. And it's kind of like those six to seven guys are the decisions. Because there are guys on this team that could do nothing in the preseason. They're going to make the team no matter what. But you have these up-in-the-air guys that the coaches are going to have to make these decisions about. You know, there are already spots that are solidified. Now, is it really just three open spots? I don't know. There might be more than that. But to me, one of the guys that you could probably push into that window, but I think moved himself into potentially the safe category, was Jay Tufele. He was a monster early on in that game, and he immediately, you saw that he played a couple of series and then immediately came off the field, which to me says... 
They liked what they saw. He didn't need to do anything else. And I was a big J2 Fele guy when I think he was kind of in that maybe going to be cut, maybe not realm. Yeah, actually, uh, whenever we get to that segment later, I think that, you know, he did look really good and you bring up a good point. You know, they took him out pretty early in the preseason game, which is a good indicator of, you know, how they feel about him on the team and on making the 53-man roster. Um, The only issue I see is that defensive tackle room is, um, there's a lot of guys there. There's a, you know, there is a Josh Tupo. There's a Dominique Davis who had, a pretty great preseason game as well, uh, albeit probably in, you know, moments where he was on the third team or on the second team and they were going up against the second or third team in Green Bay. But he was the reason for that pick six, I think. I mean, that guy, you know, you know, cleared the guard or the center or whoever was blocking him. And, you know, if it weren't for his head on, uh, on Clifford, Tyson Anderson's not getting that ball. So there's a lot of depth, especially along the front four. And, uh, you know, well, I think I've, you're going to see a lot more versatility, too, in this because the addition of Miles Murphy, he's a guy that I think they're going to really slot at both inside and outside. We saw that with times with Sam Hubbard as well. And I think Lou Anarumo is really trying to be more versatile with lining up these guys at all of these different positions to let them work. And I just thought Tufele is not a guy that you're going to put on the outside. But I thought in the interior, he was kind of in that in that realm of maybe being a cut guy. But he very much impressed me early on in, in the game against Packers. And again, yes, we know it's preseason and so on. But it, it just, he, he caught my eye. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if I could say something about the preseason here, uh, for people that say, oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it 100% matters. I mean... I mean, you got to think during the season, you you know, teams experience tons of injuries. Your your depth is going to get tested at some point, somewhere during the regular season. So preseason, training camp, I mean, that's a big deal, especially for these guys that are fighting for roster spots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was very impressed with the defensive uh, performance in the game. I mean, I know 36 points were given up. Uh, but... I mean, you saw a lot of, I saw a lot of pluses on the front seven, especially the secondary was great. Uh, the linebacking unit was, uh, I guess I can't say the front four, but the the, uh, the linebacking unit was, uh, I think that left a little bit to be desired. But uh, overall, I was pretty impressed with the uh, with the defense. Uh, the offensive side of the ball, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't all bad, though. It wasn't no, all it bad. Wasn't. And I think one of your big winners was, the guy that they're just calling Yoshi is, uh, I don't know if you saw the video yesterday that the Bengals social the media team trying to announce, yes, trying to pronounce Yoshi Vash, I think is, is the correct pronunciation of the guy from Hawaii, the pride of Princeton. Everyone just calls him Yoshi Andre, Yoshi Vash, the, uh, I guess it was what a fifth or sixth round pick for the Bengals this year. Six and round pick I think it was sixth out of Princeton. Another one of those guys, high RAS score. Not a lot of experience, very raw was what everyone was saying coming in. But I know that from what the coaches have said, it sounds like he is a lot less raw than they really thought. And he could potentially be somebody that can slide into that fifth receiver role and maybe push Trenton Irwin down the depth chart a little bit. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think 
I think at first, if somebody were to go down, uh, God forbid that, I really hope that doesn't happen. But I mean, I think you're going to see Irwin probably take that depth depth chart spot first, just because of the experience that he has. And, you know, he did it before last year. He filled his role admirably. Uh, But Yoshivash, I mean, I was very impressed with the way he played. He showed a lot of explosion that I was not um, anticipating on seeing in his first game. And I'm really hoping he builds upon that. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, he has somewhat of a significant role in his first season, which you don't typically see with rookie six-round wide receivers. So other than Antonio Brown, I mean. No, but. Well, no, I, and I think in the last 10 years, how many, and I'll ask you this question, you may have heard of this, how many wide, how many wide receivers, sixth, seventh round, or undrafted have had a 1,000-yard season in the last decade? In the last decade? Pretty much since Antonio Brown. I'll go with four. Zero, really. Not one. Was Auden Tate, I know, I, I know I'm talking about Bengals here, but is Auden Tate, wasn't he, cl- was he close? He was undrafted. Yeah, but was he close to a thousand yards in the? Uh, I I can't imagine on Tate season maybe. I don't know that Auden Tate ever had more than than four hundred maybe. I, I I don't know. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to give that a Google here as as we're talking. I never I remember Auden Tate had an that. elevated role in one season, and it had to have been one of the bad. Okay, in 2019, so, he had 575 yards. Was the okay. most he's, he's ever had. in his career. He's not even had 800 800 career yards. He's at 799 career wise. So zero. Um, zero. So that's kind of the question is, is it's like that is zero for a reason. Um, but also how much of Andre Yoshivas getting picked in the sixth round was the fact that he played at Princeton? I feel like it's probably a pretty good reason. I mean, you're not playing against top level competition in the Ivy League. Uh you know, and it's, it's beauty of the late round draft picks, though, because I feel like you're not really looking for, you know, oh, yeah, I saw this guy playing in Alabama or whatever. You, you're looking for these guys with these athletic profiles who, you know, kind of jump off the charts, unless if you're Trey Hill. But, uh, <laughs> but, oh, wow, uh, we're, we're having Trey Hill slights already in the, in the podcast. No, it's taken no. 23 minutes, and Mick is already throwing shade at Trey Hill. That's the first offensive lineman that gets shade thrown at him. We don't even talk about Jackson Carmen first. Uh, that guy is not worthy of. Uh, of he was a loser. I'm on the. Oh yeah, he, he was, was a loser. He, he was a loser, and I mean, he had some moments, but I know the the play is going viral of the sack where he just just kind of stood there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I heard something, and I don't know how true it is, but I heard that. You know, he was in for the first half of the game. They took him out, and then they just randomly put him back in in the fourth, fourth quarter. And uh, I think he just decided not to care anymore, uh, which is just crazy because, you know, he's one of the high-profile players on this roster fighting for a 53-man spot. You know, they added, you know, some guys during you know to the offensive line during the offseason that – you know, Cody Ford, Cody Ford could easily take his spot right now. Um, so and that, that'll be the interesting thing is, is I think, you know, is if we're using that one to 53 analogy that I was talking about is Jackson Carmen probably thinks he's like number 36 
in that realm where he's he's in, he's safe. Now, does the Bengals coaching staff, I don't think he's as high as Jackson Corman probably thinks he is, but is he 45 or is he 50? Because I think that's the interesting question that this is, and I still think he's probably closer to the 45 realm. Now, does that mean will he be at 45 come September 1 or whenever the, the cutdown date is? I think it's probably before September 1. But still, will he be there then? I still would be surprised to see them cut him because I feel like if, if he hasn't been cut yet. Yeah. So. And he was not awful when he played in the playoffs. No, no, he wasn't awful. Now, you got to think that the Buffalo game might have been, uh, you know, an anomaly of some sorts. It was, you know, it was a it was a snow game. I mean, you know, it seemed like the Bills players couldn't get any traction against the Bengals offensive line. Uh, the Bengals, you know, and Zach Taylor, to his credit, said, hey, I'm just going to run the ball down these guys' throats. We can't, they can't, you know, they can't push back against our offensive line at all. Why don't we just run it down their throats? Jackson did look good in that game. And then, you know, Kansas City game was a little bit of a different story. The Ravens game was definitely a different story. Um, but here's the thing. When you say, well, is he more like 45 or 50? I mean, there is, in my mind, there's an opportunity cost, right? Because why am I uh, picking a guy that has a higher cap hit in the 45 to 50 range than the other guy? And I know the Bengals don't have necessarily a cap problem. But they probably could save a little more money going with somebody else. Uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. So if Jackson Carmen were to get cut, well, it probably really doesn't do much with cap, does it? No, it doesn't do too much with cap, and they really don't save. I guess I had this all mixed up with the day money and cap savings, but they only save. Seven hundred thousand dollars in the cap, and they have one point four million dead money, which is which is nothing. I mean, let's see what Cody Ford's at, just because I am curious here. And Cody Ford was only a one million dollar contract, if my memory is right, a one year one million dollar contract. So I can't imagine that he. And it, I'm assuming that there's a whole lot of non guaranteed money in that. That's why you sign a guy like Cody Ford. Yes, yeah, hundred percent. But it, it's uh. I do like I do agree with your point. It's like, you know, if you were gonna get cut, you get cut already. But you know, Zach likes to keep a little bit of a longer leash on his draft picks, I feel like. I mean, there's a reason why Drew Sample is still on the team, even though I do like Drew Sample. I think Drew Sample's a good locker room guy and a, a good depth piece at the tight end position. But um I don't know. I don't know how after the game against the Packers and, you know, albeit he did have good moments, how, you know, this team really would want to move forward with him, especially when you have a decent amount of depth at the tackle position itself. Yeah. And, and, and I don't disagree with that. And I think right now I would almost see Jackson, cause I think you're, you're looking at this twofold with it is and number one is, and we'll have to dive deeper next week, we're going to dive deep into the offense. So I don't want to go too much into this topic, but I think a lot of this goes into Lyle Collins too. What is his yes. health? Because if, if Lyle Collins is closer to, let's say like Lyle Collins is at 90% right now, then I think you're more likely to potentially part ways to the Jackson Carmen. But if Lyle Collins is only at 70%, you almost keep him because if you cut Jackson Carmen. And let's say, uh, you know, 
X team, Rams pick them up or, or whomever. It doesn't matter. Any team does. What happens if one of your guys goes down week one or yeah, week uh, two? And and then and then do you really want Cody Ford being your guy? Like, do you have that much more trust in Cody Ford versus Jackson Carmen? Listen, and I am not on here trying to vouch for Jackson Carmen, but I'm just saying that's all of these decisions this coaching staff is having to think through. And luckily next week, we'll have to dive all the way into the offense and just talking about all of these decisions because I think it's an interesting one because we haven't even talked about maybe the biggest wild card on the entire offensive line, Jonah Williams. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, And he will be a discussion point definitely for next week. For sure, for sure. Um, Yeah, you bring up a good point with Jackson Carmen, though, is you know if, if Collins is not ready by week one, I mean... You are gonna you you you're sacrificing depth pretty much, and you know you'd definitely be sacrificing your depth if you did indeed fact you know, in fact cut Jackson Carmen. So I don't know. I feel like he's just rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way. But uh, you know, you bring up a good point that you know he is a good depth piece. He does have experience. Um, yeah. it'll be an interesting thing and we'll have to dive deeper into it next week when we talk about the offense offense as a whole and kind of preview what our expectations were for next year in in fact i might almost take i had one more topic that i really want to talk about as far as performances that were notable from that and i feel like he is going to be a big topic because i think he's definitely in that 50 to 56 range and that's chris evans and i kind of want i think we should bottle that point up and take it and throw it to next week because i think he's somebody that is very interesting to talk about because i think he has a lot to prove coming up on friday when the bengal's make the trip down to atlanta to take on the falcons because i think he, he is a very he's a wild card yeah i don't know if he's necessarily a wild card to make the roster the bengal's try to run with four running backs i think those four running backs are um I think solidified at this point because you've got Mixon, uh, yeah, Mixon, Chase Brown, Travion Williams, and Chris Evans. The other two running backs on the roster are somewhat obvious, uh, you know, practice squad candidates. Uh, just, but you know. I could definitely see running back being a position of a waiver claim for the Spangles team. Is could mm-hmm. they get a you know a Jay Tufele or a Devin Asiasi or a they got three last Max Sharping was the third one you know who those were all three really solid waiver pickups that all have sure. played a role last year is could there be a guy out there like that that could then end up taking because I think you you mentioned those four running backs Chris Evans is number four yeah in that list 100%. right now because uh, yep. I mean the Bengals are not getting rid of Chase Brown and Travion Williams has done more. Then, then Chris Evans, it's the whole, what have you done for me lately? And guess what? Travion Williams has done a whole lot more with that role. Now, Travion Williams is still coming back from that injury. I know he's back to practice, I believe, today, at least mm-hmm. getting back under the rehab field. But, and again, be a topic that we can talk about next week, but I think it'll be interesting. Chris Evans is going to be the guy that I'm definitely going to be watching when I rewatch the game Friday um, against Atlanta. For sure, for sure. Uh, as a whole, I know we kind of went in there as far as the training camp cut candidates, and we've kind of been talking as as a whole about that. Is there anybody else that you're really going to be watching for that could be in that 50 to 56 range on maybe a guy that could play himself onto the roster or off over these next couple of weeks? 
So I haven't really noted anybody that might play themselves onto the run. I think, I guess the cut candidate list is a mixture of both, right? Because, you know, I've got a list of 10 or so guys and it's kind of like, well, you know, some of these guys could make it, some of these guys couldn't. Uh, Trevor Simeon, I think, is... Well, in fact, surprising. you know what? That's a, that's a great question because I guess that, that ties into a loser of, is it's just, I think, the question, I think I even saw James Rapine from Cincinnati Bengals Talk had an article that asked the question, and I'll ask it to you, Mick. Do the Bengals have a backup quarterback problem? Oh, 100%. But, you know, I also... Do you trust Jake the- Browning more than Trevor Simeon, though? I think I do. I think I see a lot more athleticism behind the pocket from Jake Browning. Now, Trevor Simeon does have the starting experience. He's been on the been in the NFL for eight years. This will be his eighth year in the league. He started in 2016. He's, he's a decent amount of experience in doing that, where Jake Browning has big old and none experience-wise yep. in playing in an actual game. Yeah, I mean... I, with Jake Browning, I see somewhat of the uh, the Jess, of the Jeff Driscoll effect, where, you know, I would more highly covet a guy that's athletic in the pocket that can make plays out of structure, um, which is something that I don't think Trevor Simeon can do. Um, he just looked very immobile back in the back, you know, in the pocket against the Packers. It seemed like. Uh, you know, he was just unable to get a rhythm going the entire game. And Jake Browning wasn't necessarily better, but I think it just looked a little bit better compared to what uh, Trevor Simeon was uh, putting out there on Friday. But I mean, he, look, if we talk about this, and, and I think here's my answer to this question is if, if the backup quarterback has to play, the Bengals are screwed. Other than it being in the last five minutes of a game, I mean, I mean, listen. It, there is not a backup quarterback that can do what Joe Burrow does, because yeah. if he could do what Joe Burrow does, guess what he wouldn't be—a backup quarterback. And, so, and that's that's kind of the realm. Is I think that you know the backup quarterback is an important thing. Don't get me wrong. You need a guy who can come in and compete. Like if can Trevor Simeon or Jake Browning beat the Browns week one? If Joe Burrow is not ready, can they? Yes. Do I feel confident? Like if when we make our pick here in a couple of weeks, if it is Jake Browning or Trevor Simeon starting, will I pick them? Probably not. I probably it is a won't feel very confident. remote possibility that either of those two quarterbacks can can go in and beat the Browns if they're starting Week One. But um, then again, I do remember that it is Deshaun Watson, and last year Deshaun Watson was awful, bad, very bad. Um, and then you look at week two now that becomes a lot more winnable because Marlon Humphrey had an injury today and could be out for the first couple of weeks of the season. That makes things a little bit more interesting because you're going to feel a little bit better about your wide receivers beating the Ravens secondary here in a couple of weeks to yeah. where they can make Trevor Simeon look better because that's another thing. Both of these wide rec- both of these quarterbacks on Friday didn't have any of their dudes in the game. No, no, they, they didn't, didn't have, have the big three in it. No, they didn't. Um, and you bring up a good point about the Ravens game because Marlon Humphrey being out, even with Marlon Humphrey, their cornerback room is not very deep. Uh, they do not, you know, that's probably their biggest question mark going into the season is their defensive backfield. So I'm really hoping that's a matchup they're going to exploit uh, going into week two. Um But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you bring up a good point. The, uh, you know, Jake Browning, Trevor Simeon weren't dealing with the big three wide receivers. But 
you know, and also, the, you know, the Packers, it seemed like they were running a lot of ones and twos out there. Yeah, I mean, and it was going up against the ones, which Jake Browning, and I know that Zach Taylor said this week that they're flipping. So that Jake Browning starting week starting in the first half meant nothing against the Packers. And this week, it'll be Trevor Simeon starting in the first half, and then it'll be Jake Browning in half number two. Um, and and I know that reading into, I know that, you know, I like to read Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic. Shout out to Paul. I'm sure he's watching today. Um, and uh, But he does great work, and, you know, Jay Morrison and all, all of the, the Bengals beat is, is very talented across the board with a bunch of uh, uh, people who do, do really good work. But I know that that's been one of the big takeaways is that it started off good for Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning. Like the first couple of days after Burrow, you were thinking, okay, this couldn't be bad. And then since that point, it's just been like, you know, a big old tank down the way. It's like the cliffhangers game, you know, and, and the price is right. They're toppling over the edge right now. And that's why it's a little worrisome. But then again, like I said, if, if one of them is having to start multiple games, the Bengals have a whole lot more to be worried about than Trevor Simeon or Jake Browning starting a couple of games. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, here's the thing, though. Um, you know, we you asked if there's a backup quarterback problem, and here's my thing: is that if Joe Burrow were, God forbid, you know, if he were out for the entire season, you know, I don't know if I necessarily want a quarterback to come in and bring the team to a uh, seven and ten, eight and nine, six and eleven record. I mean, at that point, you're just sacrificing you don't want to play Marvin Lewis ball. No, I no, I don't. I mean, that's how you end up with Drake Kirkpatrick and uh, and uh, other mid to you know mid to borderline late first round draft picks. So you so know, you mean, you're, you mean to tell me that you'd like to see the Bengals draft maybe in the top three next year and get Marvin Harrison? Say if, T go away yeah. and have Marvin Harrison, Jamar Chase. It solves the T Higg- Yeah, that solves the T Higgins issue immediately right there. But. Yeah, you heard it here. Mick says tank this year. If Joe Burrow, for Harrison. if Joe Burrow is out for the rest of the season, hypothetically, uh, I don't think that would happen. Knock on wood. But uh, yeah, I don't want to see the team picking in the 15 to 16, 17 range. I mean, you know, especially with you know the contracts they got to give out. I mean, if that happens, I mean, adding top five talent would be huge. And I think that's a perfect transition into, you just mentioned the the buzzword, contract. And I feel like since we're hosting a Bengals podcast, Mick, we are uh, contractually obligated. Uh, I don't know if you know, we signed a contract before this. I signed it for you that says we have to talk about the Joe Burrow contract every single week until it actually comes, comes about. Um, I know that we've talked about this off air, but uh, you're not worried about this at all, are you? I'm not worried about it. Um, I think it will get done. Um, you know, the one thing I'm worried about is, uh, you know, my ability to be patient, which I am, I'm not very patient. So, um, here's my question. What is your prediction as to what it looks like? How many years? So if the contract were to happen today, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say five years. See, and that's where I was going to almost Vegas line it for you. But I think if you were Vegas lining, you'd almost have to put it at five because I, I don't know. I think four and a half is too low. But yeah. I don't know that I would take the over because I think five is the exact number. 
I think it is. I mean, I, I feel like that's what we've seen from most of the extensions this offseason. Uh, Herbert signed for, I think, five. I know. Yeah, I think four or five. Signed, yeah. Signed for five. Lamar signed for five. Crazy running back contract, by the way. <laughs> People talk about doing. the running back market just being non existent, but you see Lamar Jackson and, just get like a $200 plus million dollar contract. I mean, can I just do a subtle sub plug, though? Because you, you, it's almost like you read. I also host another podcast that comes up here at the top of the hour at, at nine central time, 10 Eastern. Uh, with with someone else called from the press box, and that is the exact topic we're talking about this week is the running back market. So well done, Mick. You're you're giving us a promo, and and that's what we're here for. I'm a radio guy at heart, so I'm all about cross promotion. So yeah, yeah. Back to your oh point. yeah, for sure. Happy to promote the other pod- podcast. Uh, if you have not, please go check it out because uh, from the Sam press box, what it's called. It. Yeah, we've got all kinds box. of great games from the press box because we're both radio nerds who broadcast as well. Okay, go on, finish your point before I rudely interrupted. Oh, no, no worries at all. Uh, so I think if it happens today, we're looking at five. I think we're looking at five years regardless. Uh, but I think the big question is now, does this happen before the season or is this going to be a 2024 offseason matter, which I am starting to lean towards the latter uh, at this point. See, I can't see Burrow taking the field without a contract. But you're not wrong that the more this plays out, I think by our podcast, honestly, I think by our podcast next week is when I'll kind of change my tune of where I, I won't be worried. Joe Burrow is going to be a bangle for as long as he wants to be a bangle is, is pretty much the thing. And, and if I'm Mike Brown, uh, I've got some checks over here. I would literally just give Joe Burrow, say, I'd sign it. I'd put it, you know, pay to the order of Joe Burrow, hand it to him and say, whatever the heck you want. <laughs> you want you you want it to be, you want us to take off Paycor's name and name it Joe Burrow Stadium? Okay. Uh, you you want us to put your face on the uniforms? Okay. You want to force every season ticket holder to get a tattoo of your face? Okay. You know, and it, whatever you want. Um, I what I don't think will happen is, and again, I don't know how the Chiefs pulled it off. Is I don't think we're going to be seeing the Mahomes you know ten year deal for Burrow. No, I mean, I you know, I don't want to speculate as to how Joe Burrow uh, negotiates content or contracts, but and, and he might be one of those guys that wants to do it once and be done. Yeah, uh, he very well could be. I just don't see him leaving money on the table uh, because you know Patrick Mahomes signed that ten-year deal, but even he's already looking at restructuring his contract because he's already vastly outplayed that thing. So it's going to be very interesting to see what, you know, where the numbers are going to fall for this contract. Um, you know, but I, I do agree with the, with the other beat writers here is that, you know, the real question is, is, you know, what are the implications for the other players that, you know, have contracts expiring at the end of the season? And that'll be something that we will talk about ad nauseum over these next couple of months, especially mm-hmm. next off season, because obviously the one guy that is, it is huge on that is, is T Higgins. He, yeah. he is the biggest question because, and, and I know we, we hear this all the time, and the ongoing conversation is, is you know, oh, Burrow's going to structure this in a way to keep everybody. <laughs> a- and, you know, is Joe Burrow going to walk out here and he's only going to make $30 million a year? Which is, uh, it's, it's also just funny, me being a, you know, poor radio guy hearing only $30 million a year. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, it's, it's wild to hear that, you know, he's only going to make $30 million. But still... The man deserves whatever he wants. And I think the biggest thing with Joe Burrow is 
I think if it came out tomorrow and it said Joe Burrow is going to make $100 million a year, I don't think Bengals fans would be mad. I don't know that there is a, an amount that they would be like, that is too much for him. No, but I don't know. You know, I think Cincinnati Reds fans said the same thing about Joey Votto whenever he signed his, and then, you know, the team stunk for so long, and, you know, everybody just talks about the Joey Votto contract. I think there's going to be fans that are, are probably, you know, you can't have, uh, you can't please everybody with, with, with anything that you do. Um, but you say the $100 million a year thing. I mean, I don't know if that, happens that seems like a very high amount but it, it does and it was more of just a a you know but with the way same. league revenues and profits have inflated over the past few years i mean signs a 10-year contract that looks like that could potentially look like a bargain um it's, so, it's just wild to think that that would be a 10-year one billion dollar contract i think we are going to, now that i'm thinking about it especially if this goes past the 2020 season and 2023 profits are coming in and the 2023 cap you know all the cap numbers are starting to settle in for the next few years i think we could be seeing a potentially market setting contract riley asked the question here in the comments section if you have one make sure to drop it uh, he asked do you feel that he may go cap percentage or strictly yearly salary there's speculation think... that the contract may reset the way the market works altogether so how far out does the cap go? How far out does the cap go? That's the real question. What? How did they determine see, it at the CBA for the next the year, 10 so years? It, no, it is it is done like the year prior. So in like March, they decide okay. what the cap is. I know it's usually the Adam Schefter tweet that comes out that says it is going to be this. And I know they expect this to keep on growing and growing and growing. But then you don't want to do too much because you don't know. You don't. I mean. What happens if we have, and again, I, I hate to use this word on this podcast, but what happens if we have another COVID that takes a yeah. shot at all of these revenues and you don't want to put yourself into a pickle with that because you never know what revenue could happen into the NFL in the future. You don't know. Yeah, no, and, I was and, actually about to bring up that point in particular. Like, you don't, you know, depending on when the cap is set, you know, that could be a very uh, risky thing for, Really, I mean, I think that'd be more risky for Joe Burrow to do, um, you know, because you don't want to see, you know, future profits decline because, you know, another pandemic happens or you, for some reason, for some odd reason, you just see a drop in, in net profits or drop in revenues or whatever, which, you know, I don't necessarily see that happening at all. But I, and I also, don't either, but Riley you don't know. Comment there. Um, yeah, absolutely. If you have a comment, make sure make sure you, you leave it for us. Uh, we'll be sure to answer your question. Even though if you're commenting in the Houday Nation Facebook group, um, it just again says, you know, Facebook user. So we just have to give you a shout out to Facebook. But I did Thank find you. out, Mick. Thank you, Facebook user. I did My find dudes. out who this, this this Facebook user was. This was our good friend, Adam Johnson. So shout oh, out to Adam. Uh, that is our dude right there. <laughs> uh, great man right there. And maybe uh, at some point we might have to bring him on the pod and get his thoughts on everything. I'm sure he's got plenty of, of hot takes that he's he can, he can drop right us. Now, I believe. Uh, is he? The, I think I saw like him. I thought I saw a post of him. Building he's building something. I, now that you're saying this, this, I, I did see that. Um, but the Burrow extension launch. Okay. You know what? We've checked that off the contract. You know, we are the check that off the weekly checklist. We talked about Burrow 
and the contract. Great. You know, I'm sure that this will be something that we'll have to talk about again ad nauseum until it actually happens. Um, I kind of wanted to lead into next of the next game. Now, typically on an actual week, we would now break deep into, you know, oh, uh, it's the breakdown of the Browns. You know, we're going to talk all about Miles Garrett and how he's going to match up against Orlando Brown Jr. and so on. We're not going to do that with the Falcons because we don't know who is going to play. All I know is D'Angelo Malone is going to have a big game, and I'm going to be very happy to see that because he's a topper and WKU is awesome. Go tops. But other than that, I mean, what do you want to see against the Falcons, Mick? Is there anything that stands out that you're going to be looking for when you watch that game on Friday night? Yeah, I mean, there was a few. I guess there's a few players I want to see have a – you know, some, you know, I want to see them get some reps in. I'd like to see what Irv Smith looks like, you know, in action in a Bengals uniform. Uh, you know, I, I can't really say in the scheme because I doubt they're running anything in the preseason that they're going to run in the regular season. But I would like to see Irv Smith get some reps. I would like to see Charlie Jones get a more elevated, you know, a more um, volume-heavy role in the Falcons game. I don't think we really saw much of him. I think he only had two catches for 15 yards last week. So I'd like to see him get a little more. I would like to see Travion Williams. If he is able to play, I'd like to and see him. I don't him think he will be this period. Friday. Okay. Well, X him off the list. I would like to see him at some point during the, during yeah, the preseason. You know, and I completely agree. Yeah. Without question. Um, two other names. We didn't really see Zach Carter much. Um, in the game against the Packers, I think his spot is obviously finalized on the roster already. But Zach Carter was somebody I saw last year that I wasn't particularly impressed with. Uh, yes, Nick is the president of the Zach Carter Kate Club. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, he, he wears the anti Zach Carter jersey, like that jersey <laughs> that he's wearing. We can't tell what number it is. He's it, my it has, new Jackson Carmen. Is it has ninety five and it's yeah. crossed out. Um. <laughs> Wallace Gilberry right. will always be the number 95 well, in my Speaking heart of right that, uh, have you seen the Johnny – we're getting off topic, but have you seen the Johnny Manziel documentary? I have not. I heard it's, it's awesome. And it, I it's great, it. but it's hilarious. There is a clip, and the first clip in Johnny Manziel's career they have is Wallace Gilberry stacking Johnny Manziel that they show in there. And it was hilarious because you just see 95 come up, and I'm like, oh, Wallace Gilberry. <laughs> and I just loved it. And I was like, I love that of all people – that they show Manziel getting sacked by it is Wallace Gilberry, the Bengals legend. Again, yeah, Bengals legend Wallace Gilberry, uh, a very good depth piece uh, at edge rusher. It was um, just, it was, it was hilarious for me to be able to to relive the Wallace Gilberry days. Do you, do you think we get a soundbite of Marvin Lewis uh, calling Johnny Manziel what he called Johnny Manziel uh, back in 2014 or whatever? You think we're, you think that's in, in the documentary at all or? Well, then, uh, it is not sadly. It is not sadly. Um, or who was it that uh, you know? And now I'm thinking back. I think it was last year that Jamar Chase called hot dog water. I don't even remember who that was. Now that I'm just thinking of legendary Bengals clips. Um, I don't know. I know the I know the Glizzy Gobbler thing, which that's yes. still pretty funny. That's uh, yeah. Yes, it is still very he funny. called Jamar the Glizzy the Glizzy Gobbler. Yes, yes he's a Glizzy <laughs> Gobbler. Um, oh, that's funny. So, yeah, I would like to see Zach Carter. Oh, sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, no. I And I think, you know, the Zach Carter one, and I know that Paul Daner Jr. was talking about it in his podcast here, that podcast growling, that Zach Carter was somebody that stood out to him in camp 
that he's really retooled his body. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing as pretty much, they want him to be a three technique, but he was playing the three technique as an edge rusher size-wise, as weight-wise. And he's really added a lot more muscle mass, and apparently he's been playing really, really well. And I think it's telling that he didn't play. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, former third-round pick, I think, you know, and he's only in his second year, I think he definitely has his roster spot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that, that's – you bring up a good point. That's the other reason why I kind of want to see him play on on, on Friday uh, is because of what PDJ said about his camp so far, which I heard – nothing but good things so i'm excited to see him on the field on friday and then i just want to see dominique davis again that guy was wrecking the game on friday against the packers um so i'm hoping he gets you know a few more snaps i think he's going to be a fringe roster spot uh going into the season potentially a legitimate question too that i think we do need to discuss is do you want to see jamar chase t higgins the joe mixons the logan wilson's no and so on if you are making any reasonable amount of money on this roster and you have a reasonable role and you don't have anything to prove, I do not want you on the field whatsoever during the preseason. I mean, yeah, I, unless if you're, you know, the only thing, the only exception I have is the, is the famous Joe Burrow drive against the dolphins two years ago where he was literally out for three, three plays. plays three and Jamar Chase dropped it. running plays. Yeah, a Jamar Chase screen drop. That's all I want to see. Um, but yeah, the Joe Mixons, the Jamar Chases, the Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbards, I do not want to see them take the field in the preseason. And that's just my personal opinion on it. I imagine they probably want to go out and get some action beforehand. Um, but Shout yeah, out to Facebook user for commenting again here. Who day? We, we, we haven't figured out how to. There's some, some technology that I got to go to, but I don't know who you are, but shout out. Um, yeah, no, and I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer to it. Uh, I do know that most people have um, have strong opinions. I know that this Facebook user, again, I, don't, I, I wish we knew who your name was um, <laughs> to be able to give you a shout out, but I'm sure you're a great person. We might know you personally. I can't I wait know. for the preseason game either. It's uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. And I wish I was not able to go because in my, in my day job, I, I work as a high school football play by play radio announcer and they had a scrimmage last week, just like I won't be able to watch the game on Friday live because I'll be broadcasting a football game instead, but I'll be able to look down once or twice during the game and hopefully get a score update or a tweet or something. Uh, but I think that the preseason is interesting based on whether you want guys to play. Because I think if, if Joe Burrow was healthy, would you have wanted him to take any snaps in the preseason? Because he kind of said that he wanted to. Or I would, would you have wanted that Dolphins drive? So to kind of rephrase, I would do whatever the, I guess, whatever the players want. I mean, if Joe Burrow wants to go out there, you know, for a couple snaps during a, you know, the game against the commanders, then no, so I wouldn't be put it. him on He's, that field at all. He doesn't need to go back on that. Field. Oh, yeah. Never mind. If he's going yes. on the field, it better be against the Falcons. Sorry, yes. Joe. If you want to go against the Commanders, uh, you know, nope. please. He's don't. not allowed please on that stay. field ever again. Nope. Sorry, play, I'll draw the line there. We, whenever if, we play the Commanders and Washington in the regular season next, which would be a couple twenty yeah, twenty eight, Joe Burrow better be sitting out that game. Yes, something. If if he, I will almost buy a front row ticket 
to that preseason game if he is going to play, and I will go and I will tackle him before he gets out, and I will take one for the team and spend the night in the FedEx field penitentiary <laughs> to stop Joe Burrow from going into the game and stepping onto that field. I know somebody here gives a shout-out to Sam that, Hubbard. That stadium is cursed for a multitude of reasons. That, oh. that, uh, <laughs> yes, Joe Burrow does not need to go back onto the Washington field, at least when Jonathan Allen is in the game. But at least Michael Jordan isn't going to be on the field. So that at least yeah, makes me it, feel, I feel, feel a little, a little bit better. better about Cordell Volson uh, blocking for Joe Burrow than I did for Michael Jordan. So uh, shout out Cordell. Also, if we're talking about breakout players, Cordell Volson, I think we're going to see a pretty big jump from that guy in year two. Hopefully. Yes, yes. I- I'm hoping that we do too, because I think that this is – there's not a true weakness on the offensive line. I, I I think, you know, you have questions about Jonah Williams at right tackle. But there's, and again, this will be something that we'll talk a lot about next week when we dive into the offense as a whole. But I think if Cordell Volson, you know, if we're looking at PFF grades, wasn't great last year as far as that. But then he also was a fourth round pick. Like, I mean, how much are you really expecting him to be like you're not expecting him to come out there and be an elite guard when you're drafting him out of North Dakota State in the fourth round. So the 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 learning curve for offensive linemen is is steep. The learning curve is steep for offensive linemen in general. Um, I feel like you don't really see many offensive linemen in their rookie year just come out and become world beaters. I mean, yeah, there's some Tristan Wirfs out there. There's a uh, you know, a Joe Thomas or whatever you want to call it. You know, those guys are, you know, anomalies. But, you know, with offensive linemen that are starting and are, you know, mid-round picks, you know, I feel like Cordell Volson was pretty much on par in his rookie year. Um, I don't see any reason for him to lose his job. I, I think, and I think we see a pretty good jump. You usually see the jump in year three. Uh, usually see a big jump in year three. I mean, you see a slight jump in year two. Uh, but I, you know, just based off of what we've heard about Cordell Volson ever since he's, you know, become part of the team is that, you know, how great of a player he is, you know, in the locker room and, you know, how he but, dedicates himself to his craft. So I, I, I really think we're going to see a good jump from him. I have learned that the one thing that Cordell Volson definitely needs to work on, supposedly, is his grilling. <laughs> apparently i know that i think it was ted karras or somebody they put out a video that they kind of pretty much made a point like cordell you got to be better at that uh the grilling game i'm not sure there there has to be a backstory and i well, i, I want to know what the backstory is based on it and it very well could be something that i've just missed but uh i'm intrigued as to what the backstory could be about cordell volson and grilling yeah i think that would be a, a good thing to kind of uh dive into uh you know, maybe he, you know, maybe he had a bad grilling day. Maybe he was spending a, a little more time working on hand technique and, uh, you know, actually, you know, preparing to do his job. You know, that would be, maybe that's what was going on. I'm going to assume that's what was going on for Cordell instead of, uh, you know, adding to his grilling prowess. I like you taking the optimistic, optimistic take with that. <laughs> um, we have listed here that we wanted to dive into the pro football focus last week. Uh, or I guess it was, it was, I guess, late last week, put out their, their bold predictions for the Bengals. And, Mick, I can leave it up to you. You know what? In fact, let's just hit through those three really quick to kind of wrap us up for the show before we get ready and dive into each individual position group over these next couple of weeks to get you ready for the season. 
those three bold predictions that they had for the Bengals. Mick, do you, do you have those there in front of you? Or I, I yes. know we were talking about it as well. So why don't you give us number one, and we're going to kind of talk about whether we agree with the bold prediction or not. So the first bold prediction is that Charlie Jones will uh, provide uh, will, will provide a significant contribution to the 2023 Bengals. And see, I don't know how bold that is. Because I think, I think here, here's the biggest bold. thing that Char- the Charlie Jones, I think, will have the biggest role in is punt returner. Yeah. Because I think Darren Simmons has said two things. Darren Simmons is the special teams coordinator for the Bengals. He said, you know, the punt returner, for one, his most important job is to hand the ball to the official at the end of the play. And I like that. That's a really good way to do it is saying, you know, you're not coughing that ball up, whatever it is, Mr. Uh, Darius, Phillips. Darius Phillips. Darius yeah, Phillips. That's, My that's, goodness. I can't believe we're, we're mentioning Darius Phillips and podcast number one. I so here. pissed off watching a Bengals game. Yes. And, 49ers and game. Was that what it was? Yep. yep. Yeah. 49ers and came back in 2021. That could have been one, too. I mean, yes. Uh, Yes, uh, we don't need to get ourselves all, all mad here this late at night because <laughs> um, Darius Phillips will get the blood boiling. Uh, but, and then I think the second thing that he wants to do and what he was looking for in the offseason, I think he had the quote that he wants to find a punt returner that will, quote, put the fear of God in the other team. Now, is Charlie Jones that good? I don't know. But if he is, I mean, listen, Trent Taylor, I feel like, was your conservative punt returner. Oh, he was going to catch it. He was going to give you about 10 yards. Um, was he going to break a big one? Probably not. But he was going to be consistent. I think Charlie Jones might be more of your boomer bust guy. And I like having that boom potential. And I think Charlie Jones could bring it. And that's why I don't think that's such a hot take. Yeah, I mean, so I see your point. He's going to have a lot more exposure out there in the special teams game. Uh, which, you know, that's a significant contribution. You're out on the field, potentially three to four. Hell, if you get the Bengals defense out there, you're out, the, out on the field probably five, six game, five to six times a game as punt returners. So, I mean, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that he provides a significant contribution to the team. Now, as a wide receiver, I feel like you're going to have to see an injury to Tyler Boyd to really see him realizes potential there um but yeah i don't know if it's i think it's a somewhat bold take i would i if we're rating it on a one to ten of boldness i'll put it at about a six okay i i can go that that that's a fair what was number two on that list irv smith makes the pro bowl okay well i'm gonna say that's a bold take of of a three out of ten because you brought up a good point the uh the other day is that Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl last year. Yes, I. but, you know, I don't know. Now, if you would have said all pro, now that that would have been a bold take. That would have been on the on the, about the 9 or the 10 realm. Um, that would but be I like think, 50. That, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think I saw a post, and it, it was somewhere on social media, and it was kind of, it was a tiered list like one through five. And it was almost like one was an elite. Two was that next level. Three was kind of like your meh. Four was your below average starter. And five was, I hate where I'm at. And it was kind of like, where do you think your tight end position will be at? And I commented, I said, I think we're at a four, you know, where we're, a, we're a, that below mid below average at the tight end position. But if Irv Smith plays to a three and plays average or a little bit above, 
I think the Bengals are in a really good position. Oh, yeah. I mean, you really just need him to go in and fill that Hayden Hurst role or that C.J. Uzama role, um, which I think Irv Smith's probably got a better athletic profile than both of the guys I just mentioned. But he's but, made uh, of glass. He is made of glass, but that's what they said about Hayden Hurst going into the season last year. And uh, he did you just a need a guy games. to get... Yeah, he missed a couple games. I mean, still, I mean, if we're looking here, I mean, it might have been as... Yeah, it was one of his best seasons of his career, and look what happened to him. He ended up getting paid in Carolina, right? Yeah, I, I love what the Bengals do at the tight end position. And, and you know, yeah, with, without question. Up, oh, yeah, I was kind of caught up on the Michael Mayer hype, especially when he was available at pick number 28, 29. 28, um, yeah. But, you know, when you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, you don't have to go out and spend a first-round pick on a, on a position that's not highly valued. And yeah, and, and and I think because especially if Irv Smith turns out to be another one of these guys, is he's just going to keep on getting these one-year deal guys that are going to want to come play with Burrow, potentially win a ring, and they look, and then the year after they get paid. Because let's be real, is CJ or CJ Uzama and Hayden Hurst that good? No, they're fine. You know, they're fine tight ends. Yeah. They um, they did their job. They um, but they're you know, they're never going to be top tier tight ends. No, to me and they'll never be in that one or two tier that I was just talking about earlier. And I don't know if Joe Burrow is necessarily the type of quarterback that would thrive with a with an elite tight end. If you get what I mean there, I think that you know his skill set as a as a thrower is with these. Did you not see Thad Moss at LSU? <laughs> we had to throw a Thad Moss shout out there. That's uh, that was for you, Alex Schubert. <laughs> that Former, was uh, did he go to Ackerman with us? Did he? Uh... He did. Uh, no, he went cool. to RA. He went to RA, RA Jones. I thought there, he went yes. to Ackerman at some. Point. No, because I remember watching him play middle school basketball at RA Jones. Thad Moss did, and it, their their offense. It was hilarious. He wouldn't play defense. He would stand at half court, and they'd get the rebound, and they'd be like a quarterback, and they'd just throw it down the field. He'd run down there and he'd lay it up. He had like forty were, points in this game. He was the he was the cherry pick. He was a, yes. he was they were yes. cherry picking with uh, the and with it Thad. worked. It works. I mean, what, what was point number three on that list? So kind of wrap point number up three uh, isn't a bold take whatsoever. Uh, Burrow remains remains a top five most sacked quarterback, which with the way that Joe Burrow plays, I feel like that might be a given every season that he does play until he gets older and decides not to take the risks that he takes. Yeah, because that's part of his game is that he want his philosophy as a quarterback is, is that I will hold the ball an extra half second and trust myself to make the throw. Yes. Now, is that the correct mentality to have in the long run? Uh, who am I to say? You know, who am I going to tell Joe Burrow? You know, but if he doesn't do those things, you know, you could easily say, well, he wouldn't have had a throat contusion. Um, he wouldn't have had some of these other weird injuries that he's had through his career. But at the same time, well, the Bengals have played in back-to-back AFC championships games and played in the Super Bowl. See, that's that's the that's the it, it, you give and you thing you know, about Burrow is that yeah, if you you know say if uh, Burrow was at the Justin Herbert level of being a conservative quarterback, which I don't know if you know, but Justin Herbert is one of the more conservative quarterbacks out there with, you know, he's constantly raking uh, towards the bottom of the league in terms of average depth of target. 
Um, you know, if you had that in Burrow, I, I don't think you're necessarily seeing, you know, back-to-back first place AFC North champions. I don't think you're seeing them in the AFC championship. You might not even see them in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, that's part of what makes makes Joe special. He's always looking to make the play. He's not going to give up. Um, and, you know, as he gets older, he might get a little more conscientious about it. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't see that take by PFF being bold whatsoever. No, I don't. And I would really kind of classify that really as one pretty hot, semi-pretty, semi-pretty hot take, one meh, and one not so hot at all. Yeah. Uh, so. Because, again, I don't think the Charlie Jones one, I, I classify it is meh, meh as a hot take. You know, it, yeah, it's you not got like, any bold takes on the Bengals this year? What's your What's your bold take? Gosh, I haven't even really thought about a potential bold take for the year. Jackson Carmen, first team All Pro. You heard it here first. Uh, that's all I've got. You want to put some money on that? No, I really don't. That's that's not. I don't. I don't, I don't own a house, but if I owned one, I'd bet it on that. Um, I can bet this nice Reds bucket hat on it that that won't happen. Yeah, okay. but, uh, we'll put that. I've, I've got something. I, I've probably got something similar to that. We'll, we'll throw some memorabilia up there that uh, if Jackson, Jackson Carmen makes team first pro. team all pro, he's probably, he it, might. <laughs> I, I, I got nothing. What a way to potentially end the podcast for this week. Um, but looking ahead to next week, make sure you join us next Wednesday as we will break down the offense of the Cincinnati Bengals and what our expectations were for next week. Mick, I'll ask you this question before we go. Will Joe Burrow have a new contract before our next podcast? I'm going to go with the answer no, but I really hope so. You know what? I'm going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes just to be different and say that we will be breaking down the Joe Burrow contract as well next week. And then show number three, which will be on August the 30th, will be our breakdown of the defense. And then show four, September the 6th, our season preview show and a preview of the Browns game. I am excited because football is just around the corner. Can't wait. Can't wait. New season's going to be here before we even know it. Got fantasy drafts coming up. This is, you know, I, I saw a meme the other day. It was like, you know, people, you know, people being sad or like, oh, people sad that summer's over and it shows somebody just, just put their fantasy football magazines and, you know, anything football related. They look pumped and it's ready to go. And that that's me right there. So, oh, yeah, I, I'm ready to get, get rolling, get back into Paycor. We'll be back in Paycor in a month because I think September the 17th. So we got a month and a day until we're back into Paycor Stadium watching the Bengals take on the Ravens for the third straight game at Paycor. First, th- third straight real game at Paycor, which is wild. Uh, yes. Because I don't count the Packers game as as real. Uh, no, no. So, and I didn't go to the Packers game, for, so for me, it'll be the third straight time that I've seen the Bengals and the Ravens play, and a lot can change between now and then. If you're watching with us in the Houday Nation Facebook page, I noticed that we had some a little bit of, of some difficulties. I'm not sure. I think it is coming saying that I am streaming this. I don't know why it didn't come from our page, but make sure you go and you search for Jungle Juice Podcast. You'll see the logo that is up in the middle of our screen up and up by Mick's head. Look for that. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. We'll have all of 
the podcast there. We'll try to bring some news as well. I'm not really sure what we're going to do with the Facebook page, but we'll be back every week throughout the season. We're also going to be on Spotify. We might add us to YouTube and so on. It'll just be kind of one of those things. And if you have ever have ideas of things you want us to talk about, this podcast is like, we really want it to be fan-driven. You know, we're, we're yes. fans, we're season ticket holders. We want to talk about news, but we also want to talk about how we're feeling. And if it if it, that includes a therapy session about some things, then, then we're here for that as well. That's actually the reason why I wanted to start doing this is, uh, you know, just group therapy sessions about, you know, all the highs and lows of a, of a Bengals season. So looking yes, forward there, to it. There is plenty of that as it comes along. Mick, this has been a lot of fun, and we'll have to get back and do this again next week. For sure, for sure. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. That'll wrap us up. We'll see you next week.